Heavenly Father, seems the Lord, when we sing that song, the Holy Spirit just begins to lift our souls. Lord, without your Spirit, we could do nothing. We just ask, Lord, as we gather by faith tonight, dear God, the Holy Spirit would just move in and just lift us up, Lord, into your presence. And I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, any heavy hearts. Lord, as we've just had a loss in the church, Lord, that you'll lift their souls into heavenly places. Bring comfort, Lord. Bring faith. Bring hope. I pray, dear God, in Jesus' name, that you'll have preeminence. God, we ask, Lord, that you take this letter of the word, dear God, and make it manifest in our flesh. We commit ourselves to you. We yield ourselves to you. You're the vine and we're the branches. We ask, Lord, you bring forth fruit for your own glory. Just move among your people. We ask it in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Do you love the Lord tonight? Good to be in the house of the Lord. Let's turn in our Bibles, if we can, to Revelations chapter 12. Good to be back home. We had uh, good services there in Connecticut. Happy to be back in the home church. And, um, and they said to say greetings to everybody. So they wanted to say hello to everyone. Revelations chapter 12, verse 7. I've got a lot on my heart tonight. So I just ask that you just come right in behind me. And we're just asking the Holy Spirit to help us tonight. Revelations chapter 12, verse 7. And we're going to read down through verse 11. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought against his angels, and prevailed not. Neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, the old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. And he was cast out into the earth, and his angels cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God, and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto the death. I want to preach tonight on overcoming by the blood of the Lamb. May God bless the reading of his words. You can have your seats. You know, Brother Branham took this scripture in the first seal, and he said, when the bride goes up, he said, Satan comes down, incarnates himself to the man of sin, 
And it was at this time they began to cry in heaven, now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ for the accuser of the brethren is cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. And I just want to take my thought from there. You know, Brother Branham, sometimes when we preach the word of God, I find him as a minister that we can take a simple subject and as we begin to focus on it, and just labor on it and just keep looking at it. It begins to expand. It begins to, you begin to see things you never saw before. And if you're not careful, if you read something simple or if you're studying something of a simple thought, you could just breeze right over it. But as we begin to focus on it a little bit, you'll start seeing depths and dimensions that you never saw before. And uh, I've just been laboring over this. And Brother Branham, he preached the message, how can I overcome? Preached it after the seals. And uh, Brother Branham took and showed that in every age, there was always an overcomer. He said, God has always had someone that he could put his hand on. Someone that would believe his word. And, and no, no matter how dark the age or how far removed the age was from God, there was always someone, some elect, someone that God called to be a witness for that particular age. And this, this man had approached Brother Branham and he said, Brother Branham, I can prove to you by the scriptures that the bride's got to be purged in the tribulation period. And Brother Branham said, no, sir. He said, you're reading the sixth seal. He said, the bride isn't to be found there. And the man said, if you believe that the bride goes before the tribulation period, then there must be a type. And Brother Branham said, there is a type. And so he goes to Matthew uh, in the, uh, the portion of the scripture, and I, it evades me right now which, which verse or chapter it was, but he turned to the scripture where the veil was rent and the dead saints arose. And Brother Branham points there where the dead saints are rising, and he said, now that is the elect of the Old Testament. He said, because not everyone rose, he said, but only the elected down through the ages, when the graves were opened, the Old Testament bride came up. And he said, all of them made the same sacrifice. All of them was under the shed blood of the Lamb. But there was an elected group. As soon as that event come, they really believed it with sincerity. He said, now I'm coming to that word overcome. These are they that really overcome sincerely. They made the offering that the rest of them made, but these come and they overcame the things of the world. And so Brother Branham took that scripture and began to show there's elected in the Old Testament and there's elected in the New Testament. The elected came up in the resurrection and the elected will come up in the resurrection. Can you say amen? And these overcomers could not overcome unless there was a test to overcome. And Brother Branham said, you can expect to be tested. Every believer, every true elect of God is going to be tested and tried. And he said, how will we be tried? We will be tried by the word of God. And he said, we cannot overcome without a test. And he said, a test is the greatest thing that has ever happened to you. He said, and it's a good evidence that God is with you. Can you say amen? And Brother Branham said that overcome means to stand the test. 
And that's what Jesus did. He said he stood every test that was thrown at him. He stood against the false leaders of the day. He was able to humble himself even to the death of the cross. He said he overcome and he stood the test. And while Brother Branham is preaching, bear with me now, as while Brother Branham is preaching and how do I overcome, he then turns his attention to Job. And he begins to labor on Job. And he said, Job was a perfect man, an upright man, one that feared God and eschewed evil. And Job's children were getting worldly. They were getting wayward. And he began to offer offerings for them that at least they would sin against God. And Brother Branham said, you always, you know, notice with Job that he offered the burnt offering before the tragedy set in. And it is a good thing to be on speaking terms with God now and not wait to a crisis when you're going to need him. It's a good thing to build your prayer relationship with him now and to be able to walk with him now. And he said that he offered the offering before the tragedy set in. And as you know, that the devil had come before the presence of God, and he said, you give Job everything that he wants. You bless him when he goes to bed. You bless him when he gets up. You bless his cattle. You bless his camels. You bless his children, his household. Of course he's going to serve you. He said, but you give him to me. Let me take away some of his conveniences. He'll curse you to your face. And, and Brother Branham said, God said, you can't make him do it. That's the way God does it, and we're caught right in the middle of it. And so the testing had come. And you know, the Bible had said the, uh, the Sabaeans stole the oxen and the asses and killed the servants. And then fire fell down from heaven and burnt up the sheep and the servants. And then the Chaldeans came in and stole the camels and killed the servants. And then a great wind killed his children. And then the devil came before God again and smote him with boils from head to foot. And there he was sitting as a miserable sight. Lost his camels, lost his home, lost his friends, lost his church, lost his wife. He was sitting there in this condition with no answers. And then his miserable comforters came and said, Job, you're wrong on your theology. You've been going to the wrong church. You've been wrong about your doctrine. And Brother Branham said that this is amazing because you won't hear it anywhere else in the world. But in this message, the prophet of God reveals the secret to Job's strength because Job was able to overcome the boils and overcome his wife and overcome his church and overcome all the affliction. How did he overcome? Brother Branham said, by the burnt offering. He said, I know I've offered the right sacrifice. I know that I've come by the way of the word. I know all hell's turned loose against me, but I know the blood is the way. It'll always be the way. Job stood pat on the sacrifice. He believed in the shed blood. He believed in God's program, God's provided way, and he was justified by faith because he stood on the word of God. Can you say amen? Job was not a secret sinner. He knew where he was standing. God had provided a way from him, for him, and Job overcame by the blood of the lamb. I want you to think of all of his trials. He, he is a depiction of endurance. 
Job is a, a depiction of a true believer that stands pat. And all, everything is coming unglued on him. All hell is shaking their chains. Everything is falling apart. But he has overcoming power in the overcoming blood of the Lamb. And he overcome by the word of his testimony. Because his wife said, curse God and die. He said, you speak like a foolish woman. Amen. And the Bible said he never sinned against God with his lips. Job was an overcomer. And Job was showing us how to overcome. And then Brother Branham said, after all the trial, and after he stood on that sacrifice, the word, all of a sudden he said the prophet stood up straight and he broke into a vision. And he saw 4,000 years ahead. And he said, I know my Redeemer liveth. And in the last day, I'll see him. Woo! At that resurrection, I'll see him. I'll see him for myself and not another. He caught a vision of the true lamb that was coming. All the Bible was pointing to the lamb. All the prophets were pointing to the lamb. And this was the lamb that you and I would have to overcome by. Do you love the Lord? The blood of the lamb is the theme of the entire Bible. It is the theme of the New Testament. The blood of the Lamb is the theme of the book of Revelation. And the blood of the Lamb is the theme of this end time message. Hallelujah. God's great plan from the foundation of the world was to provide a Lamb that we could overcome by. A lot of the old, all the Old Testament pointed towards Calvary. Their feast days, the, the tabernacle, all from the time of, of from Adam and Eve walking out of the garden. Law and grace met at Calvary. Everything pointed to Calvary. That's what the prophet of God said. Then Brother Branham in 1955 was preaching a message on Job. And while he is preaching on Job, like Moses went in vision back and saw the Garden of Eden and saw all of the sin and how everything happened, the prophet in this day was transported back to the Garden of Eden right while he was preaching on a message of Job. He breaks into a vision and he sees Adam and Eve and he said, Adam willingly sinned. Adam knew what he was doing. Eve was deceived. Adam didn't. But Adam was not willing that his pretty little wife would be lost. And he was willing to suffer hellfire because he loved her. And Brother Branham said, God looked down and saw that love that he had for his wife. And said, if you'll go with her, then I'll go with her. And he said, something funneled down from heaven, L-O-V-E, I will bring you back. And he said, Adam and Eve was walking out of the garden, and those skins were slapping their legs. Tears was rolling down their bloody bodies as they were weeping, being excommunicated from the Garden of Eden. And then the vision changed. I hear a bump, diddy, bump, diddy, bump. He said, there goes the second Adam. He's pulling a cross up Calvary's hill. And he didn't have to. He willingly did it. 
to suffer the hellfire to bring us back to him. Hallelujah. He sees him packing that cross for you and I. He sees a picture of Calvary. How many believe in the blood? This message, inspired by vision, brings us back to where we can overcome by the blood of the Lamb. That ought to make you shout. God so loved the world. Everything points to Calvary. Brother Branham said eh, every Old Testament prophecy pointed straight to Calvary. Every New Testament prophecy points to the finished work of Calvary. And why would we here in the last days try to point off to something else? It wouldn't be right. It would be wrong. What does Calvary mean to us? What does Calvary mean to the overcomer? Brother Brenham preached a message that day at Calvary. You got to get a chance. Go back and listen to it. I, I want to read. I've got a lot of quotes tonight. Is that all right? But stay right with me. I want to read some of these, these quotes. Brother Branham said, finally, one day, that day at Calvary, one come down from glory. And he said, that was the day that the price was paid and the sin question was settled forever. It was opened up the way unto the thing that we were hungering for. There's no man that could ever visit Calvary and see it the way it was and be the same. Everything that was ever desired and longed for reached to that place. It was such an important day, such an important thing that it shook the world. It shook the world like it was never shook before when Jesus died at Calvary. The sinful world had a blackout. The sun went down in the middle of the day. It had a nervous prostration. The rocks shook. The, the mountains rent. The dead bodies bursted out of the grave. God zeroed in down on Calvary and wounded that animal, Satan, forever. He said he broke his back. Satan was knocked out at Calvary. The earth proved it was the greatest price that was ever paid. The only one that could ever pay it. That was the great price paid. He said that we had a lot of signs and foreshadows by lambs and bullocks and turtle doves, but yet it could never break the death hold. He said, but when Jesus died at Calvary, it belched forth out of the earth. The price was paid and the bondage of Satan was broken. Yet, when he broke his backbone of Satan at Calvary, he broke the backbone of sin. It brings every mortal on earth back into the presence of God with his sin forgiven. It brings every person down just like a telephone line dropped from heaven, and you can call him up. You can have direct communion with God. He broke the power of Satan and opened up the prison door. The sinner don't have to wonder anymore if he's saved or not. The sick man don't have to wonder anymore if he's healed. He can be healed. He opened the veil. Calvary revealed the way to total victory. 
God give us the powers of his spirit to live triumphantly over these things and only believe it. It happened on that day at Calvary. There's no way you can wonder about it. There's no more guessing. Sin is taken away. The opening of the veil brings a man back into the presence of God. It sets a road before him, the thing that he's seeking for. Heaven, glory, peace, eternal life, everything is right before him. That was the day, the death blow. It ended on Satan, it ended everything. All that they foresaw, everything was at that day at Calvary that broke the back of Satan. How many believe it? Jesus tread the winepress of the wrath of Almighty God. Brother Brenham, he said he died till the sun got ashamed. He died till the stars got ashamed. He died till everyone moved back. No one ever suffered like him. Brother Brenham said he didn't die because of the spear, because of the thorns, or because of the cat or nine tails, but he died of a broken heart. And I wonder if it don't break God's heart when he's constantly wooing, constantly calling, and still he's rejected. No one ever suffered like him. And God laid the iniquity of us all upon him. And God poured his judgment upon his soul. There was nothing that could help him. He was paying the penalty of sin. And everything stood back and just watched it. And then in his last breaths, it's finished. God thundered, it is finished. And he bowed his head. He gave up the ghost. God was so determined to save man that he finished the work of redemption once and for all. Jesus redeemed at that moment when he drew his last breath. And he bowed his head and said, it is finished. He redeemed everything the first Adam lost. Everything Adam left in the garden, the second Adam restored us back to. The sin question was settled at Calvary. Do you believe that? Every redemptive blessing comes from that day at Calvary. Your healing, your joy, your peace, your deliverance. Are you ready? Every sinner inside this door and every sinner in the world is already saved. They were saved at Calvary. It's a finished work. Brother Branham said, every sin was forgiven when Jesus died on the cross. Every sinner right now is forgiven. But if he dies without accepting it, then he must answer to God at the judgment and be condemned as an unbeliever. That's why Brother Branham said this is the condemnation that Christ came into the world and they loved darkness rather than light. They rejected the salvation that was in their possession. 
I want you to understand me. Every sin is already forgiven, but you already got to accept it. Every sinner on earth is already saved. That's what your prophet said. Everything happened at Calvary. Everything was finished at Calvary. Brother Branham said the Lord Jesus Christ at his suffering and his death purchased healing for every mortal in the world or ever will be in the world. Jesus already paid the price in the sight of God. You are already healed. Every sinner inside and out, your sins as far as God is concerned are forgiven. Every sinner is already saved. Every sick person is already healed. Present tense. Do you believe that? I was talking with Brother Tim recently. Do you realize what this means? Do you realize that the world, God so loved the world, when he bought it, it is made up of uh, seed and non-seed? And Jesus died for the whole thing? Remember when God came to Cain, he said, if you do what your brother did, offer the lamb, I will receive you. Do you know the Bible said Jesus is the mediator of the new covenant and the blood of the sprinkling and the speaking of better things than that of Abel? See that you refuse not him that speaks. For if they escape not who refused him that spake on the earth, how much more will we not expect escape if we turn from him that speaks from heaven? Abel was a righteous man. He died innocent because he was in the way. He was standing for the real revelation that he had. And his blood cried out against Cain. But the blood of Jesus Christ not only cried out, it redeemed. It speaks better things. It makes you sons and daughters. It hides you from the wrath of God. The blood of Abel could not hide Cain. But the blood of Jesus can. Are you with me? It's crying out. The blood of Jesus cries out. There is forgiveness if you will accept it. By grace are we saved. Not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Do you realize the blood is shed for non-seed and seed? But you have the choice. Did you know hell was not made for human beings? Hell was made for the devil and his angels. You want to, you want to, this is amazing. You want, Brother Branham said, no matter how sinful you are, no matter how stooped in sin, if you will look to Jesus as your Savior and confess him, he will save you. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. How many overcomers do we have here? Everything that was lost was restored by Jesus Christ that day at Calvary. Remember in the Old Testament under the sacrifices, they had what was called the sin bearer or the scapegoat. And on a certain time of the year, the priest would take two goats. And Jesus was a lamb, but in this case, he was a lamb Uh, He was a goat to become sin. It was representing Jesus. So they would take one goat, and all the sins of Israel would be on that goat, and they would kill that goat. 
And then they would take another goat, and they would cast lots for this goat. And then they would take the other goat, and they would all lay their hands on it, pass their sin upon that goat, and drive it into the wilderness. Beloved the Lord. And the Seventh-day Adventist said, well, one goat was Jesus, and one goat was Satan. And Brother Branham said, no, because that would make Satan our sacrifice. He said, Jesus was both goats. Jesus, first of all, died for the sins of Israel. Second, all of the sins that was placed upon the scapegoat was a type of Jesus Christ because all of our sin went to him and he carried them away. Where did he carry our sins? He packed them down into the lowest hell. He put Put them in the sea of forgetfulness. He is our sin bearer. He packed our sins away at Calvary. Amen. Think about it. When we confess our sins in the blood of Jesus, it's packed down onto Satan, down to the mediators. You love the Lord. How wonderful Jesus was both goats. He became our sin we might become the righteousness of God. It was at Calvary he opened up the prison doors and all of us who had the death sentence upon us could just walk out and go free because he paid for us to freely have it. Ain't that wonderful? No longer slaves. Just walk free out of the prison cell. If you're complex, just walk out and be free. If you're sick, just walk out of your cell and be free. If you're depressed, just walk out. Why? Christ made you free. The devil says, I got you. You can point back to Calvary and say, your teeth is kicked out. You love the Lord. No condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Brother Tim's been preaching on the renting of the veil. And when Jesus cried, it is finished. And the earth began to shake. The the veil, they say, was 40 foot high. And the veil was rent from top to bottom. And Brother Branham said he was showing, no man has done this. But I have done this. I'm the one that promised I would bruise my enemy's head. I'm the one that Job was speaking of. I'm the one that Moses was speaking of. I'm the one who come down to pack your sins and carry them far away. I'm the one that come down to deliver you from your cell when you didn't deserve it. When you deserved hell, I went there for you. I took your place. By grace, I took your place. Can you say amen? God rent the veil. Grace rent the veil from top to bottom. And we are saved unconditionally. We're not saved if I'm seed or not seed or whatever. Don't, don't play games. You are saved unconditionally. All you got to do is accept it. So it's not on God. It's on us. Do you remember in Genesis chapter 3 when Jesus said, I'll bruise the head of the serpent. You find that he made coats of skin 
and he clothed Adam and Eve. This is what Brother Branham saw as they began to be excommunicated, driven from the paradise of God. And as they're going out, this used to puzzle me. God put cherubims around the tree of life, lest they'd come, eat of it, and live forever. And I thought, well, why would God keep them from living forever? Brother Branham says it real plainly. He said there was no atonement yet because you cannot come back to the tree of life without blood. And he said, so when that day at Calvary, that veil was rent, it opened up the way back into the presence of God again when Adam and Eve were being driven out. But now the last Adam, the power of the Holy Spirit is driving us back to the tree of life, driving us back to what we were in the beginning, to everything that Adam lost. Can you say amen? The path is clear. The only relationship that God has with you is Jesus. Brother Branham said that in the church ages. It's Jesus alone who walks in the midst of the churches. You have only one relationship to God, and he only has one relationship to you. That's Jesus. It's not Jesus plus. It's Jesus alone. He alone, salvation is of the Lord. From start to finish, it's all God. Let his life be in me. Let his blood cleanse me. Let his spirit fill me. Let his word be in my heart and my mouth. Let his stripes heal me. Let Jesus, Jesus alone, not by works of righteousness. We're not saved by the doctrine we believe. We are saved by the finished work of Calvary. And if God be for us, who can be against us? You say, well, the devil gives me such a hard time. He is absolutely whipped. You say, I, I hope I make it. We have already made it. It's exactly right. He already made it for us at Calvary. We got to believe it. Brother Adam said, and this morning the Holy Spirit is bringing the word of good news from before the foundations of the world. Your name is on the book of life. All the devils of hell cannot erase it out. God wrote it. God spoke it. It's just as sure as God wrote it before the foundations of the world. Be perfect as the Father in heaven is perfect. How can you be? When it's not my perfection, it's not your perfection. It's his perfection. He chose you, and you are secure with Jesus Christ, and just as perfect as Christ was before God. How many believe that? Say amen. Do you know that you have a chair sitting under a table in heaven waiting on you for the wedding supper? There is a place for your feet to be under that table and no one else can fit in that place. Why? Because he died to set you there. How many believe that? 
Brother Benham said a man one time came to seek God. Every time he'd say, I'm saved, the devil would say, no, you're not. But one day he drove down a stake. He said, Satan, from this on, I'll point to this stake. This is the place. I met God's requirement. Satan right there. Every doubt is gone. He said, and it'll fly away. I'm going to accept exactly what he told me to do. I'm going to believe it. He already bought your place at the wedding supper. He already purchased your salvation. He already gave you everything that you need. He is our sufficiency. He is our Lord. He is our power. He already done it all. How will I ever overcome? You will overcome by the blood of the Lamb. You'll point the devil to the blood that purchased you and bought you and paid your price. You'll never base your salvation upon your own strength or success. It'll be the success of what God done for us. Brother Branham said the only meeting place of Israel was under the shed blood. The only place the Shekinah glory fell was under the shed blood. The only place the glory, the Shekinah glory will come. But the only place that the glory, the Shekinah glory will fall is under the blood. That's the reason this Shekinah Pentecostal glory is because we are under the blood. He's saying this is why you're seeing the sick healed. This is why you're seeing the visible pillar of fire. This is why you're hearing the shout of the king in the camp. Because the Shekinah glory comes to where the blood is. And in the presence of that Shekinah, they would take a dead stick and put it before God and it would begin to bring forth blossoms and almonds and fruit. You take this wretched sinner, you take a man lost and bring him into this presence. It'll change his thinking, it'll change his heart, it'll change his appetite. Amen. I believe the Shekinah glory is falling right now. Why? Because we are under the blood. We believe the blood. We preach the blood. Hallelujah. Our souls blossom putting forth fruit. I love talking about the blood, preaching about the blood. It never gets old. How many ever heard of Charles Spurgeon? They call him the Prince of Preachers. I love his story. He was, he was caught in a snowstorm when he was 15 years old. He was going down a side street and he was ducking into an, a primitive Methodist chapel for shelter. And he just came into this little church and he sat there and there was a, an itinerant preacher that was passing through. The man stepped into the pulpit and he reached, read, read out of Isaiah 45, Look unto me, and be ye saved, all ye ends of the earth. And uh, Spurgeon said that he didn't have a whole lot to say. So he just kept repeating his text. Look unto me. Look unto me. And he said he just kept repeating it. And he said, but at some point he stopped and pointed directly at Spurgeon, where he was sitting in the gallery. He said, young man, you look very miserable. Look. Look, young man, look. And he said, and all of a sudden I had a vision. Not with my eyes, but with my heart. I saw the Savior. I could never tell you how it was. No sooner 
Then I saw who I was to believe. Then I also understood what it was to believe. And I did believe that very moment. He just goes in unexpectedly to get shelter, sits down under the presence of the preaching of the blood, and a man who can't preach is used of God, and he points his finger, and when he points his finger, God speaks to Spurgeon's heart, and he becomes a prince of preachers who has inspired hundreds and thousands of preachers worldwide because he saw a vision of Calvary and he believed in Calvary and he believed what the Bible said about Calvary he looked and he lived then he told others to look and live ain't that wonderful you know that's exactly what John chapter 3 said as Moses was lifted up, lifted up the serpent in the wilderness so must the son of man be lifted up. You know the story how they were sick. They had murmured against God and Moses and the, and the fiery serpents come out and begin to bite them. They begin to die and to get sick and Moses interceded to God and God said make a brass serpent. Lift it up that the people when they look at it they'll be healed and they didn't have to touch it. They didn't have to do penance and whip themselves or they didn't have to do anything. All they had to do is look at it in the revelation that God provided it. And when they looked at it right, all of a sudden I would have liked to have seen that healing campaign. People groaning, people vomiting, people trembling. And all of a sudden Moses holds up this brass serpent and a healing revival starts in the camp children get out of their leg braces and people start getting out of their cots and they're singing only believe and the people are looking and living and the glory of God wave after wave is moving over the hearts of the people because they're looking the way God wanted them to look Many of people look at Calvary and they have the wrong attitude. But if we could look at Calvary the way God meant us to look at Calvary, I believe there would be a healing revival, a salvation revival, a Holy Ghost revival. You think that was a revival? I believe even among our own ranks, we could have an outpouring of the Holy Spirit like we have never seen. God has clouds of gushers ready to unload. How do I receive? How do the flowers receive the rain? How does the fruit of the earth receive from the heavens? They just open and God pours it out. I wonder if we would look towards heaven with an appetite in our soul. God rain down on me. Put down the glory of Calvary on me. Fill my cup, Lord. I believe they had a revival because they looked and lived. Don't look at yourself. Quit looking at yourself. Start looking at Calvary. Start looking at the blood. Start looking at the price that was paid. Stop looking at one another. It's nothing that we can merit. 
all power of heaven and earth is in reach of the believer. Why? Because he gave it to us at Calvary. You know, Brother Branham's, I marvel. For years, I've marveled at the mass healings. I'm like, Lord, where, where in the Bible does this happen? These mass healings, and I'm seeing it clear and clear and clear. Brother Branham would call the people together. He would preach such a simple message. If you would take his message and put it in one of these ministers, some of us might go to sleep. It's true. He preaches with such simplicity. Like the Calvary, he breaks into a vision. God is showing him how important Calvary is that day at Calvary. He's trying to get through to us. Brother Branham is preaching the blood. He's only exalting the cross. Never exalts the tabernacle. Never exalts his ministry. Never indirectly points to himself. Look at my picture. You know, no one else gets their picture taken with the Lord. You want salvation? You got to come through me. Never a kingdom builder. He built one kingdom, and that was the kingdom of God, the same kingdom Paul was building, the same kingdom we are building. Build upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. He began to preach. And as he began to preach, day after day, the people's faith would begin to lift. As he preached, it's in your reach. It's in your reach. He would give testimonies. And he said, one testimony is more powerful than 50 sermons. One testimony would ignite faith. And they say, if it can happen to him, it can happen to me. And all of a sudden, another miracle. The next night, more miracles. He said, the last night, the people were desperate because they knew it's now or never. God likes that kind of attitude. It's now or never. I'm going to get my blessing. I'm going to get my healing. And Brother Branham said, now the only thing keeping you from healing is a shadow of unbelief. He said, just a little more faith and there won't be one left in here that is sick. And Brother Branham said, Lord, give me power to cast this devil away that the people can catch a glimpse of Calvary. Healing never came from Brother Branham. Their healing came by looking back to the finished work at Calvary. As their faith mounted and people began to get delivered, you would find people step up out of stretchers, people with heart trouble, people with handicaps, cross-eyed children. All of a sudden, the power of God would fall upon the congregation and not one sick out of thousands. How could not one sick be left he already paid for it. Brother Branham was not afraid to make the challenge. Is it the will of God that God heals everybody? Yes. He, did, he made that decision at Calvary. And they overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. A testimony is a confession. Our confession is to say the same thing. I am healed. I am saved. I am free. I am a child of God. I am delivered. I am the bride of Christ. Can you say amen? 
Brother Benham said you could repent, pull your hair out, beg at the altar for week after week, and you would never be saved until you accept your salvation that he gave to you at Calvary. A lot of times we waste our own energy trying to get saved when he already done it. Brother Benham said we need to take over because God told us to take over. Just as long as God said so, that settles it. Let's just take over around here and tell the devil you're not going to have no more with us. Every sick person is going to be healed. Every blinded eye is going to be open. Every deaf ear is going to hear. Every deaf tongue is going to speak. Every sinner is going to fall at the platform. And he is the high priest of our profession. We are going to have an outpouring. We are going to have a revival. God's going to fill our young people. God's going to give us more than he did last year. I believe, therefore I speak. You'll never live above your confession. If I believe, I must speak. And you must tell others, I am healed. I am saved. I am free. If you refuse every testimony but the word of God. How many say, Lord, help me with that? Let me only quote the word. Let me not say anything outside of your word. How many say, Lord, I need, I need that. I want that kind of revival in my life. Let it start with my tongue and then manifest through my life. Don't be afraid. That is how we overcome. Brother Branham said, Brother Branham said, Moses, when he was in the wilderness, they got into a battle. God told them they were going to take the land. And so Joshua went out and was fighting. Moses went up on a hill. He was holding his hands up, and as long as he held his hands up, there was victory in the camp. But as soon as his arms got weary and they began to come down, the enemy would start pushing the church back. Then he'd lift them up, and then you'd see Israel begin to prevail again. Pretty soon he just couldn't hold them up no more. So Aaron and her come and lifted up Moses' hands and they held them there until they secured the victory. Brother Branham said, now we look towards Mount Calvary and we're fighting an adversary, a good one. And he said, we look towards Calvary and God wanted to make sure we would win this battle. So he nailed Jesus' hands up on the cross to be certain that you'll be healed, that you'll be saved, that you'll be delivered. God guaranteed our victory. If we would recognize that he's already defeated Satan and robbed him of every, every power that he ever had. Brother Benham said, Satan, you're defeated. The people's going to recognize after a while that you are defeated. You have no hold. Jesus, God's son, defeated you 2,000 years ago. Everyone that's got asthma, he said, stand to your feet. Stand to your feet, suffers, with, suffers of asthma. He said, oh, eternal, everlasting Father who raised up the Lord Jesus. Satan, you're exposed. You're defeated. You've been defeated 2,000 years ago, and the people are just now finding out. Woo! 
It's like Brother Tim was saying, Jack Cole looked and he saw Calvary and he saw healing there and look what he did with it. Satan has no right to hold a child of God. Whether it be nervousness, whether it be sickness, torment, whether it be sin, Satan has say, no right. Satan has no right among the church of the living God because our Lord conquered him at Calvary. We can point back to where he was defeated. We can point back to where he lost it all. And we need to confess to him where he lost it all. Satan is a loser. Satan has been defeated. Satan never wins. Our Lord is a conqueror. How many can say amen? Turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 23. Jeremiah chapter 23 verse 20, 20 or I'm sorry 23 verse 5 <clears throat> Behold the days come saith the Lord that I'll raise unto David a righteous branch and the king shall reign and prosper and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth in his days, Judah shall be saved, and Israel shall dwell safely. And this is his name whereby he shall be called the Lord our righteousness. There were seven compound redemptive names of Jehovah. When Dr. Best had challenged Brother Branham to a debate, Bosworth debated him. Bosworth asked him this question, do the seven compound redemptive names of Jehovah pertain to Jesus Christ? And he said the man very quickly tried to dodge out of that question because he didn't believe in divine healing. Because he knew if you applied Jehovah Jireh, and everyone knows that Jehovah Jireh applies to Jesus Christ, then he would have to say that Jehovah Rapha also applies. The Lord is our healer. How many believe he's Jehovah Jireh? Every seven compound redemptive name of Jehovah pertains to Jesus Christ. All of those names of redemption are wrapped up in the one human name, the name above every name, the name of Jesus Christ. He is our healer. He is our banner. He is our peace. He is our deliverer. And he is our righteousness. I have to accept him as my provider. I have to accept him as my banner. I have to accept him as my healer. Brother Branham said he became our sin that we might become his righteousness. He said now we know he became our sin. But many of us struggle with the revelation he is our righteousness. He said to believe the one is to believe the other. To receive the one is to receive the other. How many knows he became your sin that day at Calvary? He became your sin. He took your sin. He brought him to hell, pinned him on the devil. 
He came back. He rose up justified freely forever. Now he pours his spirit back onto the church of the living God. And all you do is accept the free gift of his power, his glory, and his righteousness. They overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. How many believe I am the righteousness of God? I'm going in a rapture. I'm the righteousness of God. I'm saved by his blood. I'm redeemed by his blood. I was saved that day at Calvary. When the devil points at your failures, point to Calvary. When the devil points at the aches and the pains, you point him to Calvary. When you make a mistake, point the devil to Calvary. You lost the battle, and they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. I am healed. I am free. I am saved. I am filled. I am his. Glory. His redeemed bride bought. The ticket is paid for. It's already confirmed by heaven. How many are going in a rapture? How many are walking up the king's highway? We got to start putting God's word in our mouth. When the bride goes up, Satan comes down and a revival breaks out in heaven. And they're shouting and dancing and kicking and screaming. And what are they screaming about? Calvary. They're shouting about the overcoming power that was delivered at Calvary. They're talking about the finished work of Calvary. They're talking about our Lord who done it all. It's free. None of us have an excuse to miss it. He placed heaven right at our fingertips. The kingdom of God is right upon us. God, give us a revelation. The gates have been opened. The veil has been rent. He's crying, come, come. All we got to do is walk right in. How many say, Lord, I'm starting tonight. I'm walking right into his presence. There is now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. If God be for us, who can be against us? It is God that justifies How many love the Lord? Let us stand to our feet. I know it was the blood. I know it was the blood. I know it was the blood for me. One day when I was lost, he died upon the cross. And I know it was the blood for me. I know it was the blood. No, it was the blood. No, it was the blood.